Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our overgloves together for Tooth Life Irene and Katrina the Wine Genist. with your favorite human beings, Irene and... That's so extra. Stop it. We are not... Are we really everybody's favorite human beings, do you think? Okay, so I have to tell you, uh, you didn't ask me how my day is, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Irene, how how is your day? Oh, you know I'm living my best life. <laughs> okay, good. So good. We got, that, we got that out of the way. So I have Perfect. to say that um, I was scrolling through the Facebook... And someone had posed a question on RDH Rant, which is a very popular Facebook group. Someone posted a question, what are your favorite podcasts to listen to? And lo and behold, we had multiple comments that the Tooth or Dare podcast was one of their favorite podcasts to listen to. So I did one of those like, oh my gosh, seriously, people actually listen to this? And then I... I realized that I, I, you know, I see the statistics of how many downloads we have. So it's like, yeah, yeah people actually do consecutively listen to our Gosh. episodes. So thank you. If you are listening to this and you've listened to many other episodes of the yeah. Tooth and Dare podcast, we thank you. We appreciate you. My own father doesn't listen. He's like, I don't know, Katrine. That was like a lot of you talking. I, I only listened the first 10 minutes. <laughs> out I'm like thanks dad appreciate Aww. your support wow how how are you so we're in we're in the first week of June and um yes. almost every state is back to practicing yes and yes. how how, so, are, how is your hair doing wearing a, a cap all the time it's not cute I'll, I'll be very clear it is not cute um that's just all I can say about it. There's yeah. nothing, there was nothing glamorous before about dental hygiene, but like really we've taken it to the next level of just ick. What do you feel? Um, do you feel safe? Oh my gosh. Yeah. But you know, this is the thing. This is very interesting. Like I spend so much time on the CDC website. I am constantly researching whatever like new stuff is coming out. And blah, 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 so blah, so blah. basically so, you've become the CDC. 100% I'm the CDC. Like, I'm going to host my own Coca Call next week. No kidding. Um, but no, I, I spent a lot of time on the CDC website. So I already knew, like, what the actual risk was after, like, every layer of, like, screening your patient and pre procedural mouth rinse and uh, all the things. And it's like the, the risk is actually tr truly very low. Um, there's not a single trace of a case of a patient or personnel in the dental in office dentistry. contracting it. In yes. dentistry, yes, um, dental professionals have experienced COVID nineteen, but they cannot trace it back to it coming from a patient when they do like the clustering and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'm safe, and, and honestly, I work for a freaking amazing perio practice where they have been working on getting like a PPE via the supply chain for a long time now. So. This isn't, you know, I, I'm very protected and my employers are amazing. And so I have a question. So, oh, sorry, that's my mom calling me. <laughs> uh, question. Um, you as a dental hygienist in the United States of America have, have guidelines. Who sets out your guidelines? 
That's an amazing question. So the guidelines are actually established by our state board of dental examiners. Um, and is it the same board that also sets out guidelines for dentists or is it different between hygienists and dentists? So the only state where dentists and hygienists are, are not under the same board and hygienists are truly self-regulated is California. Okay. Um, and I, I actually do hold a license in California as well. And so that's through the Dental Hygiene Committee of California, I think it's called. Um, please forgive me, California hygienists, if I'm butchering that. But they um, issue a lot, but they also look at a lot of what the doctors are doing in California. And I, I believe there's a lot of communication that happens back and forth. In every other state, it's really the State Board of Dental Examiners. Um, they're the ones that do a lot of enforcement and things like that. Um, you know, if you can imagine like malpractice things and all of that jazz. The problem is, the recent statistic I saw is that only 24 states out of the 50 states in the U.S. Uh, actually report that they follow CDC guidelines. Got it. So let me tell you what's happening here, in, in specifically in my province of Ontario. Today, which today is Thursday, I did an interview with a, a media outlet called the CBC, which is um, a very large media outlet. And the, the issue that we're facing here is that dental hygiene is, is a regulated health profession and we have our own governing body. So in our province or my province, it's called the CDHO, the Canadian, sorry, yes, um, the Canadian Dental Hygiene uh, or bleh, College of Dental Hygienists of Ontario. Um, they put out our guidelines and their mandate is to protect the public. Dentists have their own organization called the RCDSO, which is the Royal College of Dental Surgeons of Ontario. Why are and, they royal? I don't understand. I mean, we're a monarchy, so. I don't want to be every, royal. Yeah. So the issue is that back at the end of, of May, our guidelines were released to return to practice, and it was like a gunshot freaking guideline. It was like, return to practice and then go ahead, like tomorrow, return to practice. And the guidelines were relatively close to one another. And then on May the 31st, the College of Dental Surgeons of Ontario, so the Doctors College, redacted and amended a bunch of the recommendations that put us at polar opposites. So for example, a dental hygienist who produces aerosols in a procedure, needs to be wearing an N95 mask, needs to be wearing goggles or a shield, needs to be wearing a gown that could only be worn per patient, and the N95 can only be used once per patient, needs to be disposed of, and a new N95 needs to be used for another patient. Dental hygienists also producing aerosols need to have a fallow time of at least three hours, or if you have an air filtration system, you need to follow this fabulous little chart produced by the CDC which uses how, yeah, which uses how yeah, many times circulation your per air, hour. Mm -hmm. right, per hour. Whereas the RCDSO states that an N95 only needs to be used if you're providing an aerosol producing procedure on a patient that has already tested COVID positive. And mm -hmm. a gown is optional for any patient, it's optional. And the fallow time is 15 minutes. Furthermore, mm -hmm. the CDHO has said that hygienists organization has said that if someone a hygienist is producing aerosols there needs to be floor to wall ceilings floor to wall floor to ceiling walls and a door to confine the aerosols 
but the dentist organization says that there needs to be no walls. So we're at a huge divide right now because dentists are like, yes, we're ready to go back to work, but dental hygienists are not being accommodated with the right modifications or PPE to be able to provide those treatments in the same environment. So it's kind of a crazy shit show right now here in Ontario and everyone is up in arms because we can't actually go back to practice if doctors don't put walls and doors up or provide us with N95s. And now dental hygienists are like, well, I'm gonna have to buy my own N95s. How are you supposed to get that many N95s? Can you imagine using one N95 per person yeah. all, mm, all day long? You're, there's yeah. no supply, right. Wow, that's so amazing. Cause that's what's happening here right now. What's amazing is that happened in the United States like four weeks ago. Right. So that's what we were were a little behind. Yeah. So, so we experienced that because what happened, unfortunately, is that when the CDC issued these guidelines, they are guidelines. And so the verbiage was not very clear. And so they use terminology like guideline or recommendation or suggestion. And unfortunately there was, and, and in many areas, there still is kind of a divide where doctors were saying, well, this is, they say it is best to have this, but if you don't have this, then you can have this. It's like right. all of these very it's conflicting. A, it's like a choose your own adventure book. Totally. You, nobody should be going outside unless of course you have to go outside and then go right. ahead and do that. And right. also you should never No one should be buying groceries to. unless you need right. to go to Walmart. Unless you need to. Right. Please do not use any of the supply chain unless you need to use the N95s within the supply chain. And so there's a lot of confusion. And I, I don't think doctors are, are doing this to be difficult or to be, you know, uh, I think someone just, got paid off. Let me tell you. You think because so? Because how is it possible? Right. There's no evidence. And they're now also going against IPAC that was established mm. in like, what, 2017 that already said that we needed to be wearing uh, gowns when producing aerosols. So now... Yeah post-COVID, and we're not even post-COVID yet, we're still amidst right. COVID. I mean, we're in, in COVID. And yeah. in Canada yesterday alone, I think we had like 790 cases. But mm-hmm. like, how how is it possible that now you're still in a global pandemic, but you're going against IPAC regulations from 2017 that already said you need to be doing these things? So I honestly think that there's this is this is corruption from its head. Don't they say that the fish the fish rots at the head? I think yeah, I think that's what they say. My mother um, my know, mother says that, but in Romanian and very more aggressive sounding. How does it sound? Do you know Romanian? Can you say how your mom yeah. would say it? Yeah, se puta de la cap. Se <laughs> puta de la cap. I love it. It sounds so um, robust. Se puta de la cap. Yeah, that's what I said. I said it. No, I, I said it so. a little more ethnic than I normally. You sure remember. did. Yeah, you let that roll off your tongue. But okay. you know, it's interesting because I was on a CDC call yesterday. They did a big one for dentistry. Yes. And one of the things that they said in there that I think we need to remember is that they talk about and they define what interim guidelines are. And this is what I think we struggle with because we practice evidence-based dentistry. And I love right. it. Obviously, you know, like I'm 100% on board with that. Right. The problem is interim guidelines and the actual definition of interim guidelines is we are in a, a global crisis. And so we are, are building these parameters as we see fit. There are oftentimes rudimentary or, or less than adequate um, research measures that but are- But at least they use the word interim. 
Like correct. Our 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 guidelines are not interim guidelines. They are guidelines. So they're not giving us any hope that anything's going to change. And then you know it's like the biggest concern that I have, and which is one that I presented to the media today, is nobody has presented their evidence. So you've got right. the College of Dental Hygienists of Ontario that says these are our guidelines. In my opinion, they should have attached a, a, a dossier of yeah, yeah. research articles that they've used to prove this is why we've made these decisions. And the same thing goes with the College of Dentists of the Royal College of Dental Surgeons of Ontario. They didn't come out with any documentation to support their suggestions and regulations and guidelines either. So it's like, mm -hmm. this is the problem. It's like, we're making these decisions. And really, there's only one person that makes that decision, and that's the registrar. The registrar is the person that puts their name and their stamp on that piece of guideline and sends it out to the entire world. Of course, they've got a legal team that backs them. But generally speaking, it's one person. That's what bugs me. Anyways, yeah. um, I feel for all of you hygienists out there that are working, for those of you yes. that are not working yet because you're not able to, my Canadian peeps, my Ontario peeps, um, I feel for you guys. Uh, I'm going to dedicate this episode to the people of Ontario. Is that, if that's okay with you? Yes, of to, course. To my Canadian dental hygienists and specifically those that are in the province of Ontario right now that are suffering through trying to figure out when to return to work. For those of you that have sent me hundreds, hundreds of DMs, hundreds of emails. This morning I woke up to a full inbox of people saying, um, my father is sick. My father is ill. My father is at high risk. I'm afraid to go back to my practice. I don't meet these guidelines. I might lose my job. Like literally these are the types of messages yeah. that I'm getting. So this is dedicated to all of you people. And I'm going to link that episode or that episode, that um, CD, CBC um, television piece, an article that's written. It's going up tomorrow, but I'm going to link it below so you guys can watch it. Um, would you like to talk about our interview today? Oh my gosh. We just, we just finished it. We're doing things oh. backwards. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Normally we do this first and we're like super, super, super pumped. Um, and then we do our interview, but like we're doing a little backwards today and um, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Aside it's, from dentistry. Yeah, aside from dentistry. I mean, this is just one layer to it. And there's, there's so much um, division happening and there's so much pain and there's so much hurt. And, um, and one, one thing that I'm so excited about with this episode is um, we had reached out to Martel Coke with Brown Girl RDH and asked her if she'd be willing to come on and uh, not only share where she is right now with everything going on. Um, uh, and, and for those of you who may be listening to this after the fact, we're referring to, of course, um, the, the murder of Mr. Floyd in uh, the streets of Minneapolis. Um, and for those of you who are, are continually watching the updates around this have actually uh, viewed the uh, extremely uh, tragic and heart-wrenching video um, and are, are seeing uh, these layers unfold, um, it, it really is, is creating just kind of this heavy and somber uh, dynamic, I think, across, uh, you know, many of us. Blackout Tuesday happened um, yesterday, and we're, we're still just trying to understand, many of us, how we can be a part of the solution, how we cannot... Um, contribute to more conflict, how we can be open to learning, to growing, to understanding, um, yeah. how we can ask the right questions, the most delicate questions, how we can be sensitive 
Um, I, I'm seeing things all over social media, people of color saying, nobody in my office is talking about it. And I don't know why, like we talk about COVID-19 and we're talking about it freely. Like, why is nobody talking about what's going on right now? And, um, and I think now's the time when so many people are deciding that we can't be silent anymore. And, um, and so we reached out to Martel to talk about that about um, you know what her thoughts are on this, where she is. Um, interestingly enough, her husband is a, a straight state trooper. He um, wears a badge, and so um, we wanted to get her insight on it and what she did. Um, Don't give it away. Did. Don't give it away. I'm not going to give it away. Don't give it away. Say, Don't be that person. I'm not going to be that person. But what <laughs> what I will say is the the words that she shares in this episode are. Um, Katrina, I, I Katrina and I were moved. both, were both in tears yes. and we were, um, and it wasn't, it was, I don't even know how to describe those tears. It wasn't, um, even, yeah, I don't know. It was, it, there, it, there, there are no, no words. words. I, we both are just, I, I'm, I feel so just her, her ability to be raw, um, was just yeah. incredible. And so I, I just, it's, I don't think there are any other words that we can use to describe it. It just, it, it, her words need to be heard. They need yeah. to be heard today. We need to circulate these words right now um, for people who don't know and for people who don't understand what's going on in this world. Um, she uh, just is so amazing and was and so. I think, I think we 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 spoke about um, like you and I don't see color as uh, a differentiation, and you and I both feel very differently. Um, mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that we aren't contributing to the problem, um, and, right. and 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 that's not that's not always of our fault because we don't see what we don't see, right? right. So I really took this interview um, and our discussions as an opportunity to listen and to learn and to be a part of the solution than to be a part mm -hmm. of the problem, and I now understand a lot more about um, the current state that our world is in and how we should. Be striving for better so i don't that's not it's a long episode guys so you might need to listen to it in a couple of pieces we didn't want to cut any of the short we didn't do any editing every single piece of this episode is just as it was said so all of my stupidity is all up in it um and i'm okay with that i'm okay yeah, with that i'm rough. okay it's i'm honest. okay yeah. with that because it's a learning opportunity and i'm sure i'll listen back to this episode in a year from now and be like i've grown a lot at least i hope i have grown a lot um you look like you're going to cry again. You're so oh, cute. Gosh, I love you. Okay. <laughs> I love you. Um, one thing that I do want to add before we kind of turn it over to the episode is that yes. um, we, we want to, um, you'll learn that Martel uh, is an incredible woman who is always giving. And we want to take the time now to be able to give back to her. And so what I want our listeners out there to know is that she has an organization called Brown Girl RDH, which is heavily discussed in the episode. And she is consistently raising uh, funds to help other individuals who are struggling to acquire an education and receive the quality materials they need for their education. Um, and so she has a 501c3 nonprofit organization that collects these funds and these donations. After the episode, Irene uh, called me and we just were like, oh my gosh. I mean, like we couldn't even talk, but we were just like on the phone with each other. And I'm like, we need, we need to do something. We both hopped onto her website and went to the donate section of browngirlrdh.org. And when you click on donate and you scroll down, it says here that 
uh, Martell's yearly donation goal is $20,000 and it's June. And so far she's collected $1,400 and I'm not okay with that. Um, we need to come together. Uh, let's, those let's talk about, so do. let's talk about for a moment. So she's very smart the way she donates. So that's one yes. thing is that most people, when they send money and they never know where it's going to go, Martel doesn't give people money. She pays for things. So if there's a person that can't afford their board fees or they can't afford a specific part of their tuition or their instruments or their books, she doesn't just hand over a check. And we talk about her being super street smart because she knew that when she was in school, if someone would have handed her a stack of cash, she would have spent it on bills or she would have spent it on something else. So she's very smart that way and intentional when every single donation goes to one person. So you will know exactly who is getting your money um, and who you're helping. So that's one thing that I really, so we, this episode isn't sponsored as some of our episodes typically are, but we wanted to create a sponsorship for this episode. Um, my company, Tooth Life, and Katrina's company, Sanders Board Prep, um, are combining, are joining efforts, and we'll be sponsoring, not this episode, but we'll be sponsoring Brown Girl RDH. And combined, we're gonna give $1,000 to hopefully help someone pay for their board fees or some instruments. Um, and aside from the donation of funds, we're gonna do our very best. So you're gonna see our Instagram accounts are gonna be flooded and filled with Brown Girl RDH and um, similar stories that she shares. Um, so if you don't like it, keep scrolling. But yeah. if you do like it, then donate. Yeah, please consider hopping on. Even a little yeah. bit helps. If we all can come together and chip away at this, I would, I would love to see in the next two weeks, Martel just knock it out of the park with this goal. And, and we yeah. need to come together and support her in that because she's done it for so many other amazing people so yeah, uh, browngirlrdh.org um we'll we'll clip that we'll link it all link it all below yeah. too and you'll be able to hear all of this stuff at the end so um let's do it and in the meantime peeps listen up to this episode and we'll catch you on the back side of it Welcome back to another episode of the Tooth Are There podcast with me Irene and your friend Katrina hey girl Hey girl, how's it going? I like how you wave before you speak and like no one knows. There's just like no one knows. Us, but over there it's just spirit fingers. I know. It's I'm bringing <laughs> I'm showering you with joy and love is what I'm doing today. Oh, so much joy and, love. joy and love. We need it. Yes. We need joy and love. Uh, so much joy and love. So I'm handing it out for free. Speaking of joy and love, we have a very joyful and very loving uh, guest for our podcast today. And we're so happy that we were able to get you down in one place because I know you're busy and you've been even busier this week and last week and this entire month. Um, so welcome Martel Koch. How are you girl? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. We really appreciate it. We're so excited to talk to you a little bit more now. Like you and I have met in real life, but it was like a whirlwind meeting at your booth. And we've been following each other on social media, but we've never sat down to talk about who you are as a human being and uh, a little bit about Brown Girl. And I just want to know everything about you, like from the very, very, very beginning. 
Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. I'm like, I don't know her, but I know her. She's too life, and I'm all about that. I'm about that life, right? I'm about that life. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like uh, we can prompt you because it's like someone says, like, tell me everything about you, and you're like, uh, well, I'm a high. Where you want to start? Yeah, yeah. I'm a Pisces, and I want to start with like young Martel, like pre hygiene, pre mom all of the stuff that we know about you from social media now so like tell right. us a little bit about about you as, as your okay life and you shared some stuff with um with us on a call we were on a call together with hydratus for humanity and everyone kind of did a little bit about themselves and you told some like really deep stuff about your upbringing and uh how you were raised and what types of things that you had to persevere through your, through your life, which I found really inspiring. And I think, you know, this is going to go out this week. Um, you know, given everything that's happening in the world right now, I think stories like yours need to be shared um, for everyone to really appreciate, like, the, the strength that you have within you and everything you've been able to build. So tell us about you. Yeah, so um, if we've taken it way back, then um, yeah. so uh, – all right, so I am one of 10, one of 10 kids. Um, I was born and raised until about the third grade in Boston, Massachusetts. So when I was in the third grade, um, my mom actually, um, she, shot, she shot somebody and she was on the run. So she took me, and at that time it was seven of us, the seven kids, and she like fled to Florida. Like, Wow. Talk about Bonnie and Clyde. Like you, you want to know about it? Like this is it. So took hey, us from who? Who did she shoot? Okay, so she shot my aunt's husband because he actually poisoned her. What? He? he yes, 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 yes. I love. So she, I love. I love that she's telling this like super deep story. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. She's smiling this entire time. <laughs> she's like, like, yeah, like this. Someone just shot some arson. It's right. Fine. We're on the run. <laughs> okay. Like, it's all good. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde, right? So yeah, my mom, um, he, he, my my aunt's husband poisoned her. Um, and you know they're waiting for the trial. They're doing the autopsy and everything. And so, so you're so she was pointed and she died. She died. Oh, so sorry. you know. I'm sorry. Wow. This is when I was in third grade. You were how old? You were in third grade. I, yeah, I was in the third grade. I don't remember the grades. I can't remember like. Cause you remember when you yeah, left the third yeah. grade and all of right. your friends, right? right. So, yeah. yeah. So um, my mom took us in a Nissan Altima and we all fled to Florida from Massachusetts to Florida. And we stayed in um, hotels. Um, we hid in hotels. My mom cooked food on a little hot stove pot. Like we were eating like those nasty breaded chicken nuggets that you get from like those uh, Piggly Wiggly grocery stores. I don't even know if you the have those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stinky grocery that, stores. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we were we would eat those. We I would have those. have to hide. Um, just all type of things that you know kids shouldn't go through. And it was seven of us at that. So um, my mom didn't work because she didn't want to be on anybody's payroll. So she ended up selling drugs, right? So that's how she got her income. Her and her boyfriend at the time, um, and the seven kids. So what, we finally, what kind, so she was like dealing drugs at the rent, like the hotels or wherever. See, when you're that young, you don't really know. But when we actually moved into a house, we actually moved into a trailer. So when we moved into our trailer, then she was dealing out of her trailer. Were you there? Were you and your siblings around? Like, do you remember? Oh yeah. I used to, um, and 
Yes, I used to actually like when my mom or my mom went from the trailer to the home to a house because she actually made a lot of money doing this. This was back in the nineties. So selling crack, she made a lot of money. So we moved into a house and it went from, you know, um selling from a window to people coming to the front door to us sitting out in a bar when I was like in the fifth grade, sitting in the car, she's given me crack to hold, saying, hold this because police cannot search you. Back then they couldn't search kids. And I would be sitting at 2 a.m. in the morning in a bar parking lot while she dealt her drugs to the bar, to the people in the bar. We had um, people that smoke crack, crackheads, you call them crackheads. They would live with us because that was more money for my mom. It was easy money. So they would probably work construction. And this is in Florida. So people would work construction and they would do their coke, right? And um, I remember I used to braid hair for money. Like I always have like a entrepreneur spirit, right? I used to braid hair for money and try to save it to just get things. And I remember um, braiding someone's hair and hiding my money like on top of like, you know, where you put all your decorations in the kitchen. There's like an extra opening. And one of the the guys that my mom had living stole my money as a kid. Yes, they stole my money. And I was just like so devastated. Like all that money I worked hard for and saved. And I didn't know, even know what I was going to buy with it. But, you know, it was stolen. It was stolen by them. Were you ever afraid of having strangers in your home? No, because it was so common. And, um... The only thing I can I can remember is um, me braiding this guy's hair who was on drugs and he's like, come to my house and I will give you your money. So I got on the back of his moped, rode to his house and we get in his house and he was like, um, I just want to um, hold you and kiss you and do all these things. And I was like, no. I was like, I will scream. I will tell anybody, like, please take me home. Like I, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to get raped right now. Like I was in eighth grade, going to ninth grade. And I remember because I needed the money to develop my um, pictures. Remember you used to take pictures on the camera and you used to bring them in the store and develop it. Yeah, it was, so, like, it was like six ninety nine or something. Yeah. You wanted singles, but if you wanted doubles, <laughs> yes. yeah. So, uh-huh. so I was um, going there because I wanted to develop those films. And then when that happened, like that was a scary, that's the only time I was ever scared and he didn't do anything. He took me back home and I never, ever told anybody else, but that was one of my mom's like clients or friends. Anybody that that happened to you? No, cause nothing happened. My whole life. My whole life. Well, I mean, I tell people now, but back then. But this is what's amazing because nothing happened. Right. And it's like, but it happened, but it did happen. And that's, that's, I mean, I mean, this is a whole other layer, which we could, yeah. this would be a whole other podcast about the, you know, uh, Me Too movement and, and women that have been put in these, you know, positions where uh, you don't feel like you should be saying something because nothing happened because you were strong enough in eighth, in eighth grade, grade to stop that. I mean, can, I, I, what a beautiful thing. And, and I know, I know I really want to continue to hear more of your story, but what a beautiful thing that you, you were showing this just bravery and this unwavering strength at such a young age to be able to speak up like that and say, absolutely not. I think, it, I think and I, I don't want to speak for you, Martel, but I think it has a lot to do with pre eighth, eighth grade, like oh, yeah. all of the different things yeah. she had to overcome. And you think oh of like a kid in the third grade, what type of kid in, is the third? They cry and they throw fits and they want mm-hmm. toys. But Martel was in the backseat of a car holding crack for her mom in yeah. the third grade, not making a fuss. Like, yeah, right. yeah, right. Good, you were a good kid. So, yeah, we talk about those things like, you know, um, people that come from like poor areas, they have to grow up fast. They have to learn quick. They have to learn street smarts. You know, you learn about street smarts and book smarts. And I just had to learn that. Um, so, yeah, so he, I, th- nothing happened. Um, so my mom kept popping out babies. 
I was in the seventh grade pushing a baby stroller of a newborn baby. She would have a baby. I would take care of it. She would be out hustling, right? So I remember having to wake up at 7 a.m. or it might have even been 5 o'clock in the morning, pushing my baby sister around the house in a stroller to get her to stop crying and thinking I have to read a chapter in Harry Potter tomorrow and I'm not going to be able to focus because I have to read this. I used to cry, you guys, because I wanted to go to school. My mom used to say, no, you got to stay home and watch the kids for me. And um, I remember back then we had encyclopedias, right? So I would be, uh, yeah. yeah, so instead of, instead of, um, you know, when I had to be home from school and watch the kids I would go through the encyclopedias and just start reading stuff looking at things in the dictionary like really old dictionary like that was my that was my escape from like me having to be a mom like I had to cook I was cooking for the family at 10 I still literally have burn marks on my stomach from reaching over the stove cooking as a little kid and getting burnt by the oven so it's a lot of things that um, I had to do to grow up grow up fast so school for me was always an experience escape like I was like I know I don't want to have kids a bunch of kids growing up I know I want to go to school and um the passion of dentistry came in when my sister had a toothache and my grandmother she was scream my, my sister was screaming on the floor crying all of like think about those patients that come in that are in like a lot of pain like that was my sister yeah at like 12 right and my grandmother said to her if your tooth hurts then you will never know labor pain because that's exactly how you're going to feel when you have a baby and let her suffer um, and so my mom came home and brought her to the dentist where they obviously took the tooth up because we didn't have dental insurance, but because she went to the dentist and I was sitting there and I saw them get her out of pain. I was like, I want to be a dentist. Like I want to be a dentist. Right. So, um, that sparked, you know, my interest in being a dentist and went to be in a dentist. And then when I got into high school, very poor high school, the poorest high school in North Carolina, cause we moved from Florida to North Carolina. Before we go to your high school. So obviously your mom never got caught for shooting that person for your, your, no, actually, actually she didn't get caught. She did it, but her boyfriend at the time just went down for it. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, he just went down boyfriend. for it. <laughs> right. That is a nice boyfriend. He took, yeah. he my he husband took it. would take the blame for Right. Me. <laughs> he, he, he took the blame for it. So Sorry, she, honey. I'm going to yeah. count. I won't do well in, in prison. He, yeah. So he ended <laughs> up, not um, <laughs> you guys are silly he ended up getting um going to jail for it and that left us with a single a single um parent household and you know being in poverty is horrible do you have a relationship with your dad was that your dad that was not my dad so my dad um he went to prison when i was like probably five for selling guns and if you google my dad's name it's going to be him against the federal government so he was selling illegal firearms and it was a the supreme court against my dad and he went to jail and he's been in jail and i met him again when i was 12 um he was in a halfway house and my mom sent me go with your dad he's gonna buy you some clothes um he bought me an outfit me and my sister an outfit and um i didn't see him again until i got into high school um when i graduated and i didn't see him i called him so i called him to have a relationship with him but he just wasn't ready for it or he was just never there it was just never a thought right it was never a thought to even do it like it didn't occur to me i wanted that you were growing up right? mm-hmm. so. yeah and there was other guys there were other men so my mom was married three times and she had other other men so um you know and even with that like having stepdads and them beating us and we ha- having to go pick a 
a switch. It's called a switch. It's a branch off a tree to get a whooping. And we would just get whoopings every day. They would say, we're going to whoop you guys every day because um, just in case you do something. And we had, I mean, I have scars on my arms and we would have scars. And they would say, if you go to school, you better not tell that you got a whooping. You better say something else. So I remember having a scar on my arm, a big open, uh, open gash and them asking me, the teacher, what happened? And I said, I, I slid down the slide and I cut myself when I knew I got beat with a, a, a switch, it's a branch off a tree, yeah, yeah. and I had broken skin from it. So it's just like a lot of things, like a lot of abuse, a lot of um, physical abuse. And then, you know, you, my mom probably not even wanting to say anything because she wanted that man, right? So it was like either the man or her kid. And unfortunately, we got abused. Um, a lot of my mom's kids got abused. And unfortunately, we are not close today because of it. it's 10 of us and we're not really close. Like I can't call my, I don't, not to say much to my mom, no, not really, but with each other, because that causes re resentment between, you know, kids. the kids for sure. Yeah. So, um, I have five brothers of your five of your brothers and sisters. Like, would you say that one got picked on more than the other? For yeah. Any reason? I mean, sometimes you hear that there's like, no, quote unquote, good kid. And then there's the kid that is the one that's always. So, yeah. So I was the one that was like the good kid, like the smart one, like Martel's going to be something. She's smart. And my sister was the one that always had like the mouth on her. She was more like developed, you know? So she would get picked on the worst. She would get beat the worst because she was considered to be fast. Like, oh, boys, like you're worried about boys because you got boobies and a booty. And like, she did get picked on. She did get um, beat the worst. And um, it's just sad because like back then, it's like, you don't know what to do as a kid because you're like, I don't want that to happen to me. Better you than me. But you're not brave enough to do something, to say something, to speak up. So you just let that happen. And like I said, now we're not close. Like I should be very close with my family members with everything that I'm doing. You would think, think that, but no. So, um, yeah, in high school, um, those last semester at a high school, well, high school, when I graduated, I called my dad. So back to that. And I asked him to come to my graduation because like, yes, I made it. I graduated. I'm not pregnant. Like, you know, and he was like, I'll see. And then I got very like upset. Like, what do you mean? You, you'll see, like you come like this is yeah. for me. High, graduating high school is everything. You guys know that. Yeah. And he's like, I'll see not only that, but senior pictures, my mom didn't buy, get them for me. Like I didn't get a mug. I had to buy my own cap and gown. It was just like, dang, I got to do all of this stuff when everybody else is enjoying things. You know, they give you the pictures and you have to pay for them. I was like taking some out and then returning the rest because I wanted my senior pictures, but I couldn't afford them. Um, so I graduated high school. Then I started working. And um, the first summer out of high school, I ended up getting pregnant. So 18 and pregnant. And I was like, dang it. I didn't want this for myself. I didn't want to be a statistic. Like, I'm not going to um, go to school. I'm going to wait it out. Right. So I'll have the baby and then I'll pursue school afterwards. But during the time of the pregnancy, I realized, well, I'm not going to be able to go to school and be a dentist like at all. So um, I had my daughter in 2006 and I graduated in 2005. I had my daughter in 2006 and I had two seizures after I had my daughter. So after I had delivery or yeah, after right after like immediately after the delivery. Mm -hmm. Yep. After why I had preeclampsia and it wasn't diagnosed and I was um, on Medicaid. I was 18 years old. I had no family to tell you how prepared I was to have that baby. I had no baby clothes at the hospital. 
I just went to the hospital. It was just, the, I don't even know why I didn't have a baby bag, but that's how much I didn't know. So I had the seizures. Um, I had preeclampsia, so toxemia. It was not diagnosed. And um, they immediately put me on seizure medication. Like you're epileptic, ep epileptic, here's some seizure medication, take this for the rest of your life and bye. They, like prescribed it and was gone. And I remember seeing a neurologist and going in the MRI and them having probes all over my head and asking like, what, why, why is this happening to me? What's, and nobody would talk to me. So an 18 year old, well, I was 19, I turned 19 two days after I had my daughter. A, eight, a 19 year old asking questions to these doctors. Mm -hmm. They're like, I don't have to tell you anything. Think about when you go into a hospital with your mom or your grandparents and you're a hygienist, right? And you're like, well, what's this? And what are you doing? And you're asking yeah. all these questions. Yeah. And yeah. they're already the hesitant. I want to see the chart. Right. They're yeah. already <laughs> hesitant. They're, they're, they're like, oh, well, this is, you know what I mean? They don't want you to know anything. For, for me, I was just like blown off. So I started taking the seizure medication. Um, and it's like, do what they say. They said, you have to take it. And when I tell you I was on dilate and I was a zombie, like, I couldn't take care of my child. They were like, don't cook, don't drive, don't do anything. And I'm like, my hopes of going to dental school after having this baby, like, it's over. Like, you're telling me don't do anything. Just stay home and have somebody with did you when you, when you, with you your baby. Did you have any support when you had your baby? I mean, did you mm -hmm. have a relationship with the baby's dad? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, my boyfriend at the time. But he was 21, and he was working. He was working at UPS and Aaron's. So Aaron's is a, a furniture rental place. Mm -hmm. okay so that's where I'm he was working Canada, so we don't have that here oh you don't have that <laughs> so you you say so yeah so ups and a furniture rental place that's where he was working two jobs and um yeah he was working and i was just staying home like we were struggling we were very poor and we were in upstate new york by this time because his family lived there so we moved there um we're sleeping on floors i didn't even have a baby shower I remember to this day i like cry like i didn't have a baby shower for my baby but um yeah it was just it was a struggle and um Hey, Katrina, do you know what we're going to do? What are we going to do? Next time we go to a trade show, we're going to throw... I know exactly what we're going to do next time, girl. <laughs> what are you guys going to do? We're going to throw you a baby shower. We're throwing you a baby shower, girl. Okay, that, I need that baby shower. Trade, next trade show we are all at, we're throwing you a baby shower. Yes. Okay, yes. cute. I love it. So, yeah. It's yeah. so fun. So, yeah, my husband... Um, well, he's my husband now, but at the time, um, didn't have a baby shower, just working, very poor, and um, I was like, I'm going to go... I'm going to pursue this. Maybe I can't be a dentist right now, but I can do dental hygiene. Like that's the next best thing I was doing my research. Like very, I was very much like intelligent on what I needed to do. If I didn't get a career, if I didn't have a career, my, my child wouldn't have a good life and I would end up back where, you know, I started those in, in, in my childhood. So called the dental hygiene school and I'm like, I want to be a dental hygienist and I have a baby, but you know, I'm excited. I, I get good grades in high school. And they were like, okay, well you have a baby and this is very competitive. So maybe you should do dental assisting. So I was like, okay, well I, I'll do it. What do I have to do? Signed up for the program. I had a Pell grant cause I had no income and it paid for the entire program. Oh, wow. So that was good. So was a dental assistant. I was getting paid $12 an hour, I think. And then I was working with a dentist who was like a jerk. I remember having my mask down here. He's like, pull your mask up. Talk about us being irritated with Corona with people wearing their mask yeah, down here. Yeah. Like he would like pull it up for me. And I would just be like, ah, so scared, right? <laughs> and then I would see how he treated the hygienist. And I was like, they never got talked to. They never got talked down on. One was driving a Hummer. I was like, dang, I want a Hummer. Like I had a little Chevy. I'm like, I need that Hummer in my life. So I would go to them. And of course they didn't look like me. They were white girls. And I was like, how, how, do, I, how do I become a dental hygienist? And they were like, oh my God, it's so hard. And 
this is just like, I couldn't do it. So I'm like, hmm, she's like, you have to do studying and all of this stuff. And I'm like, study and that's it. And I, and, and, and that's it. I was like, I love, like, I love school. I can do this. So um, I did all the prerequisites. A lot of them I had because I did them in the dental assisting program. And um, I applied. I was like, forget this. I'm going to apply. So I applied. And the first time I applied, I got in. And I'm like, what where, the where heck? Where did you go to school? Um, it's um, Hudson Valley Community College in Troy, New York. So upstate New York. So I got in and I was like, oh, okay, that's it. Cool. So I got my acceptance letter and it was like, you need all of this by orientation. It was like almost $2,000 worth of stuff. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, I don't have this money. So initially what I did, I had gold earrings and I had a gold necklace and I went to the pawn shop and I pawned it. Cause I'm like, I need to get this money because by orientation, we needed all of this stuff. Didn't occur to me that I could apply for a student loan. It did it. It wasn't in yeah, my mind. Yeah. I didn't have anyone to tell me that, girl, just get student loans. Like, didn't know. I was like, what are is those? That, Whatever. That, do you think that's because you didn't really have loans and stuff before? Like, it was just pale. Did you have credit cards and stuff before? Mm-mm. No, I didn't have anything. Like, it was like you save your money, you put your cash in the box, and that's the money that you're able yes. to Oh, I grew up too. Like, nothing was ever put on a credit card. And if you didn't have the cash, then you don't buy it. Yeah, I didn't know what credit was, honestly. There was no financial literacy there. Um, all I knew is um, I had a baby and I can get tax money from tax returns and just think about. None of my family went to college. None of them. Mm-hmm. So, how I, of the ten kids, how do you fall in the spectrum of age? So, I'm the second oldest. My brother is the oldest. He's the boy, and then the I'm the second oldest. The eldest and the youngest. Well, my sister, my youngest sister, is 20, and my oldest brother is 37, okay. and then I'm 34. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I told my friend, I'm not going to be able to get into this dental hygiene program. Her mom was actually a maid from, um, for a really wealthy family. And I'm like, I can't go to this dental hygiene program. I got in and I can't go. And she's like, what do you mean you're not going? I was like, I can't afford it. Like, look, they say I need all this stuff. She's like, go to, go to the financial aid office. Tell them you want to apply for student loans. Tell them that you can't, you have a baby, like tell them all this stuff and they will help you. I'm like, really? She's like, yes. So I did the FAFSA thing. I did the student loans. Um, I went to the financial aid office, explained to them, and they helped me. So This makes so much sense as to where Brown Girl RDH came from. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Do, do you share this story with everyone? I mean, you need to put this audio clip on your website. <laughs> yes. You know what? Like, well, there's a lot of people, I'm sure, that follow you that don't understand, like, the intention behind I don't I don't want to jump too far ahead but like this makes so much sense yeah yeah so no I don't but that's a that's a great idea um not in this detail because you're like tell me everything so like I'm like going all in so thousands of people are gonna hear this so okay good so yeah so I applied and they helped me and I was just thinking about now that you're saying that when I applied for the dental assisting program and I did the Pell like they did everything for me it was like they probably didn't tell me anything. Let me just apply for this girl. She doesn't know and whatever. Cause think about your patients sometimes when you're going through yeah. medical history, you know, they're taking a long time or maybe in some cases like they can't read or they can't see you're filling it out for them. Yeah. So maybe that's what happened. I'm young. They're just like, let me just get through this girl for her and do it for her. And like, you know, enabling someone. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I applied and I got in and I was in the program and I was super excited and I got through dental hygiene school and it was three things while I was in dental hygiene school that that was hard, right? First of all, it's hard anyway, so that's a prerequisite. Hard, check, 
it's going to be hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was the only black girl in the dental hygiene program. Um, I was angry. I wasn't angry Hold because... On. Back up a second. You were the only black girl in your dental hygiene program. Yes. Yes. Were any of your teachers of color? No. How was that? I mean, for me, it was just like understood. Like, that's normal. Like, you're not going to see yourself represented. I knew that. I knew that. It's like watching um, a Disney princess movie and thinking you're going to see a little black princess. It's not going to happen. So me being 20, understanding, like, okay, this is just the way of the world. Like That makes me want to cry. That's what it is. So it didn't say, like, something's wrong. I don't see any. No, that's just like, this is how it is. I didn't expect to see any. When I worked in my dental office, I didn't see any. Um, In my family, people that were... Uh, in my family, they were either drug dealers, they were criminals, like they weren't professionals. They didn't have careers. Did you feel like you were treated differently by any of your um, or, or classmates? Well, I just felt different. I don't necessarily think I was treated differently, but because I felt out of place and I didn't feel welcomed, then that came across to them as maybe she's the angry black girl, right? I wasn't mad. I was mad because I didn't have support that I had to struggle that I was the only one in the program with a baby and they're crying about washing the dishes. And I'm like, I have a two year old with a fever. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I was like, this is just not fair. Um, when it came to buying loops, um, I had to get a doctor's note saying that I couldn't see out of one eye because they said, if you don't get these loops, you're going to get kicked out of the program. And it's a requirement. And I had to go to the ophthalmologist, get a note, tell them, listen, I'm going to get kicked out of this program. Yeah, because I really do have an eye injury, but I don't have, I have a macular hole. So they wrote a note so that I didn't have to get the loops. Otherwise, that $1,200 pair of loops, I wouldn't be able to afford. When it came time to board fees, I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Luckily, it was during January, we had to pay them. So I had a tax return that I was able to get money from. And I put that money, there was no credit cards again. I remember my friend Krista, she's like, my mom's going to pay for it. My dad's going to pay for it. And I was like, lucky you <laughs> like i might not be able yeah. to take these boards um and just little things board review care of your baby while you were in how long was your program first it's two years it was two years and i actually qualified was it like four semesters and you had mm-hmm. breaks between um summer just the summer break summer break so who helped who helped you with your and where were you living so i was living yep i was living there and i worked at the home depot on weekends friday saturday sunday and um for minorities at my school, if you had um, a high GPA, your kid can go to school um, to daycare there for free. So there was a child care program, but uh, you had to keep your, you had to keep GPA. your, um, I don't even know what it is, but I had a 4.0 the whole, like I love school. So yeah. I don't even know what it was, but your kid can go if you maintain a certain GPA and you paid like $10, I think. So um, did I, I worked on the weekends and I had like whatever, $170 that I made in three days every week to live off of. And um, some bills didn't get paid. Like, I'm not gonna lie, some bills didn't get paid. Um, There was no savings. I don't even know how I made it. I took literally the student loans. I think they give you $5,000 per semester or um, term. And I spread, I spaced that out. So if I had to pay a light bill, if I had to pay my phone bill, I didn't spend that money. I used that money to live off of. That's how I got through hygiene school. The little things like board review, I didn't get to go to that because obviously I couldn't afford to go to that. Uh, I remember they had an instrument, an uh, uh, electronic instrument sharpener. You know, I'm going to say something right now, and it might sound whatever. I don't care how it sounds. Um, when we were on our conference call, someone said, you said something about, like, I don't care. I breastfed my baby till I was three. 
And then there were some, and I looked and you were like, don't judge. And then people, there were a couple of people that rolled their eyes mm-hmm. and, and my mom breastfed me till I was older too, for this exact reason. We didn't have money to pay for formula. Like mm-hmm. nobody had money to pay for formula. So I shame on those people right now. Yeah, we, we don't we don't care. Yeah, we don't like, care what they <laughs> your observation observation. I have a memory. Um, Katrina knows I have a memory like a freaking. Elephant. She has an amazing memory. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of, it's everything. quite terrifying. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like but, certain yeah. things I couldn't afford, so I just didn't do it. So then, um, you know, graduated from dental hygiene school, making this money. Now I don't have to be on Medicaid. Now I don't have to be on any type of um, government still on those meds on your were you still on no just stop taking them i stopped i never went back to the doctor i'm like i'm not taking this they don't know what they're talking about and i just stopped against yeah. their and orders you didn't have a seizure after that because obviously it was for a pre <laughs> a, an undiagnosed condition exactly huh. yep so um you graduated in high school in what year 2011 and what was that graduation like for you after everything um, that you had gone through to get to where you're going uh, well, there was nobody there to support me. I didn't have anyone come to my graduation. They had graduation tickets to give out. I was like, I don't need them. There's no one that's going to come, right? So my, my daughter's father was there, and that's it. But for me, it was just like, okay, now let's get to work. It wasn't like, you're not going to stop, and congratulations, and now it's over. It's like, okay. I'm going to take three months off and travel through. No. <laughs> I was like, let me yeah. find a job. Let me find a job. So I ended up working um, for a uh, part-time at two different offices, traveling to Queensbury, New York. I don't know if you guys know where that was, but it was like an hour drive upstate New York. Um, and just finding a job was fine. Then I started making money. It was like $35 or something an hour where I can just not have to worry about a paycheck. Like I know it's there. So when that happened, me and my boyfriend at the time had an agreement. I went to school and you helped support me. Now it's your turn to go to school. And I worked and he went to school. Um, and he went to school for criminal justice and he worked part-time at UPS. He didn't work two jobs. And now he wants to be a police officer uh, and now he's a state trooper. So that actually worked out. It worked out because we supported each other. And again, his family is not his story, but his mom and dad, um, didn't make it like his dad died when he was um, two and his mom was killed when he was 14. So he had a rough life too. Um, what, what his dad died of a heart attack and his mom was actually um, shot and killed because she confronted her boyfriend's girlfriend and she shot her in the neck on Christmas Eve. So he lost his mom um, at the age of 14. So he, mm-hmm, so he always wanted to be a, a, in law enforcement. But, you know, having a baby at a young age for him, I have to take care of my baby. I have to work two jobs. If I didn't go to dental hygiene school and give him the opportunity to work one job and then pursue criminal justice, then he wouldn't be where he, it could have been different if I was different, yeah. right? I just yeah. got to, he had to support the kids. So it worked out. We support each other. And um, um, we moved in 2014. He um, got a job. He applied in North Carolina because that's where um, he's from and got a job as a state trooper, went through the police academy. And then um, once he graduated the academy, I moved from New York with, at this time we had two kids, moved to North Carolina where I worked as a so dumb hygienist. How soon did you have baby number two after you finished high school? Um, like a year after, well, yeah, like a year after. That one was planned. Year that was <laughs> that was planned. Like figure out hygiene a little bit. Yeah, I wanted a boy. No worries, no worries. It was like, oh, we can afford a baby now. It was planned. Like yeah. people, like <laughs> we don't plan babies. It's like, oops. Well, we figured out. But it, she was actually <laughs> a planned one, and um, 
you know a boy but you ended up getting another girl yeah okay. yeah what, funny what are, your, what are your baby's names so the oldest one is london so i love that name london i was watching a disney a disney show i was 18 watching a disney show and uh this little girl's name was london i forget what it was called but um i named her after that and then the second baby her name is jordan so um they're six years apart so jordan's the middle one and then when i moved to north carolina uh, in 2014, we got pregnant with our son, whose name is Nathan. He's named after his dad. And right now, he's going to be five in, in two weeks. So, um, yeah. yeah, so we moved to North Carolina. I'm working as a hygienist, working at a crazy office that's called Day and Night. So they're open from uh, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And I was like, this is perfect. Like, I'm not a morning person. I can work 2 to 10. I can go to school during the day. I can pursue dental school, like taking my prereqs. Yeah. So remember, I always wanted to be a dentist. So I was like, this yeah. is the perfect opportunity for me to take these prereqs, still work full time, and like get to where I'm going. So that's what I started doing, right? I started wow. taking the prereqs during the day. My kids were in school during the day. And then my son was in daycare. And um, so 2014 moved. 2017 taking the prereqs for dental school and one day one sunday i was working and i get a call from my brother so it's 10 10 of us 10 siblings yeah. so i get a call from one of them and he's like um martel rafiq is dead and i'm like what do you mean rafiq is dead so rafiq is who's rafiq my five-month-old nephew oh. so he calls me he's like he's dead you need to come to the hospital i'm at work it's sunday beautiful day out it's november 19th 2017 and i'm like okay i'm coming right so I go to the hospital and I see my other brother, which is Rafiq's dad there with his two kids talking to a social worker. And I'm like, what happened? My nephew was five months old. What happened? He's like, I don't know. My girlfriend was watching him. She came back and said he's not moving. And at this point, the social worker was like, he's saying the girlfriend had the baby. She's saying he had the baby. We don't know what's going on. We have to take his other two children. And I'm like, um, no, we're not going to take my niece and nephew. What do I have to do? I have a, I have a great job. My husband's a state trooper. Like I'll take them in. I, I can take them. Don't put them in foster care. Cause I know if they go in foster care, one, they probably won't come out or something bad will happen to them. Right. So where do I need to sign? I'll take them. So I have my three kids, right? I'm going, taking the prereqs for dental school and I'm working at night <laughs> and I'm working at night. So I have three kids, um, that are in car seats. So my nephew, my son was two at the time, my niece was two, and my nephew was three. Wow. Three of them in diapers. My nephew wasn't potty trained. My brother was 23 years old, had three kids, all of them in diapers. So my five-month-old nephew, Rafiq, my brother had him because his mother, his mother the year before, stuck my nephew, the, the three-year-old, in hot water and burned all the skin off his back. And third-degree burns, all the skin off his back. So the state took the kids from the mother and gave them to my brother. And he's 23. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Mental illness that's not diagnosed. Postpartum? Mm. What? Well, at the time she was pregnant with the baby. But um, um, mental illness, bipolar, probably that wasn't diagnosed. It's not diagnosed. But um, for her, she's been through a lot of trauma in her life. She was raped from the age of two all the way up to 14 from her dad. From her dad and lived with her dad as an adult, lived with her dad, as she had my niece and nephews, still lived with her dad. And I was like, I don't blame her for what she did. That's just a part of everything that we're talking about with, you know, oppression, systemic racism, how things are like, of course, she went crazy and she, she stuck him in hot water and held him down. 
she told the police that she held him down and burnt and stuck him under hot water and burnt the skin off his back. She told him I did it. Um, but that's the degree of mental illness. You don't even know what you're doing or why you're doing it. Right. If we understand what it is. So anyways, the state took, um, she was pregnant with the baby Rafiq. She had the baby. And at two months, the state gave the baby to my brother and he had the three kids by himself. My brother didn't have a high school diploma. He didn't have a GED. He's just working part-time living in housing. Like the only thing I can do to help him was get a car for him. You know, I got him a car out of 10, out of 10 kids. Um, two of us graduate, three of us graduated high school, three graduated high school, two of us went to college. So me and my brother that called me to tell me that the baby was dead. Those were the only two that, um, went to college. I was the only one that graduated college. So, um, and I'll talk about that a a little bit later, but, um, so yeah, I took him in and that was, um, November, 2017. I took my niece and nephew in. It was so much for me to handle. Like I ended up dropping out of school, taking those prereqs. I was like, I can't do it. I was bringing the babies in my job. They were in the consult room at nine o'clock at night while I was finishing up my last patient. They were drawn on the walls. Girl, I had a cavity wipe trying to get the crayon off the wall. Like it was the craziest mess ever. And I'm like, I can't. And I, and I wasn't going to put that responsibility on my husband because I signed that paper, you know? Mm -hmm. So the state provided daycare during the day, which they can only stay eight hours stay eight hours. I was going to school during the day and then I would work at night. So that was put me over my eight hours. So during the time I had to bring them to my job so that they can get out of daycare. You would treat it. You would treat a patient and go pick up the kids and mm-hmm. come back, treat another patient. And then they wait for a patient or two. They would be in the consult room. Your, like, is your boss, was your boss okay with that? Mm-hmm. It was a nighttime dental office. So nobody no really said anything. No. So the management really worked during the day. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were mm-hmm. at, we were there at night and, and luckily I was, I've been there for seven years. So they didn't say anything because they, you know, it's a family practice. How long did that happen for? Like, how long did you have? So I had them for, um, eight months. I had them for eight months and, um, I was going to hold on to them for eight months. There was no financial, there was nothing. I tried to do it, be a foster parent to them. And I had to go through all these hoops and I was like, it's not even worth it. Um, I bought clothes and shoes for them and put it on my credit card. And the state gave me $200 for each kid. And then they asked for receipts for the clothes and shoes. And I'm like, I didn't get, they didn't keep receipts because I didn't think I was going to get anything from it. So they told me I had to pay that money back. I was like, Oh my gosh, like these kids are in diapers. They need food. I surely spent more than $200 on each kid having them for this long. And I had to like plead my case to say, this is a messed up system. Like this is really messed up. And um, so I had them for eight months. The reason why I had them for so long is because I didn't want them to go live with my mom for obvious reasons. Um, She still didn't have a job. She's not, she was, she's not selling drugs or anything because she's like in her fifties, but why I didn't want her to live with my mom is because of my stepdad. So my stepdad molested all of my mom's girls until he molested us and I didn't want my niece to go live with her because I was afraid that she would be molested. So did your mom know that that was happening? Not at the time, but as we got older, we told her and she still chose to be married to him. Him believe you. She did. She said like, Oh, somebody did voodoo on him. So you have to forgive him. He wasn't in his right mind. So this is when I tell you guys, like our family is kind of torn apart is because all of that happened and nobody spoke up. And then my sister that was developed the most, she got molested the worst. I was a little skinny, little 90 pound thing. It wasn't me. 
even though I was the oldest that was getting, you know, the worst of it, she did. So when we talk about abuse, I'm talking about that type of abuse, you know, like having to strip down naked. So sorry. Yeah, I remember my sister telling me, like, please tell him that I have my period so that I, I don't have to get a whooping naked. And I was like, yeah, she has her period. Like, just, just little things like that. So she didn't have to take off her clothes in front of him. So yes, my mom is still married to this guy, right? So think about all of this trauma, this post-traumatic stress that we talk about, you know, it's going through. Um, and you build up to just have a certain strength and kind of like me, especially me, I just block things out. So I didn't want my niece and nephew to go there because I was scared my, nie my niece is going to get molested by him. But you cannot tell a social worker that because I don't know, it's just weird. It's just like an unspoken thing that you don't, do like even though he did that i can see him my kids don't know my mom is my mom's their grandmother she's never bought them a gift my oldest kid is 13 right now my son who's five he doesn't know that's grandma and he will never know that's grandma he'll see her and we'll go visit but it's so not that what connection. does he call her by her birth? he doesn't know there's doesn't no know. there's no so yeah that lady oh it's that lady again yeah so mm -hmm. i don't have i don't have anything against my mom i love my mom i understand maybe from her um point of view that's mental adult mental illness for her like you can't, you can only judge people yeah. for what they know. Maybe she doesn't know any Isn't better. It interesting how the older you get, the more you get to realize who your parents are as people. Yeah, yeah. it's sad. You, yeah, it's sad. And it's like you accept them for who they are, and you acknowledge that they're your family. But if they were someone different, like would I be friends with this person? No, and there's no connection. Like I don't, I don't tell her I love her. But then again, I don't tell my kids I love them. I want to, but it's hard for me to say I love you to my kids because of that. Because you think about the people that, that say they love you and care for you, but then they mistreat you. They beat you. They physical. Yeah. So, you know, me, that's just something I have to deal with on my own, right? I'm 30. I'm going to be 34 soon, and I'm still working on that. But it's hard. It's hard for me. So, um, yeah, so I didn't want them. Eventually, I just couldn't take it no more. My kids were crying, like their rooms were being uh, tore up, like it wasn't fair to them. So I was like, you know what, I have to do something. Either they're going to go to foster care, which I had to make that decision. Are they going to go to foster care and we don't know where they are and they're going to be split up, is what the lady told me, because I was like, I, I can't do this. They're like, if you can't do it, we'll take them. So then I was like, or are they going to be right two hours away with my mom and I just check on them and, and just hope that nothing happens, right? So I ended, they ended up going with my mom and I made it very clear, like, I don't want, I told her, I don't want your husband to touch my niece and nephew and I'm gonna be asking them if they're being touched. And I said it in front of him. And she's like, no, that's not gonna happen. If that happens, blah, blah, blah. I was like, she's like, nobody's gonna touch my grandkids. I'm like, but they touch your kids and you're still not doing anything about it. If somebody kills your child, right. it doesn't matter if they kill your child today or 17 years from now. You handled that person the same way. So I'm like, you can't have a double standard there. But I was like, just so you know, I will call social services and have them removed. So my mom's like, no, don't do it. So my grandkids, they're gonna be, I'll make sure I'm always there with them. He's never alone with them. This is crazy. This is crazy what happens, but this happens all the time in the black community. It's just like, you're always, there's always a- Why do you think it happens? Like I, I look at you and like, I'm falling apart. Yeah. Um, and I look at you and, and I wonder, how are you so positive in sharing these stories that are so, so deep? I mean, because I understand that it's not just me. Like I am one of many, like it happens a lot. Um, I have dental hygiene friends right now that I can share the story with and they'll be like, yep, that happened to me. Male dental hygiene friends. Yes. I was molested. Yeah. It's very common. I don't know because you know, we have to grow up fast. We see a lot of things 
So we develop more, right? We're more developed growing up as little girls. So we're more at risk to, to be, um, you know, sexually molested and things. So I think that's what it has to do with. And then just not caring, people not caring, you know, people not taking our voice seriously. You know, studies have shown in healthcare, like if, some, if a black person says they're in pain, they're less likely to get uh, pain medication, right? Why? why? That's the question that is not for me to answer. I don't know why, but we're just treated harshly. And you can think about, you know, the society of, you know, we're supposed to be stronger, right? We're stronger. We went through slavery. You're tough. Don't worry. But it's just like, for me, I had a, a situation at work. Um, this is off uh, the subject, but um, my hair had fell out. I put a relaxer in my hair, a perm. And I put color in and my hair fell out, went down the drain. And I was like trying to put all of this fake hair in to make it, to, to make my hair come back. That was horrible. Like real hair was, my real hair. Like a weave was falling out. No, my hair fell out down the drain because like, it was, it was bald. I had a bald p patches in my head. So I put like all this fake hair, all this weave in my hair and I went to work. And think about if your hair is messed up. You're like feeling bad already. But if your yeah. hair is falling out and you have patches, you're devastated. Think about your friends that have cancer, go through chemotherapy and their hair's out. Like that's everything for them, especially as women. So I go to work and um, this white girl comes in my operatory and I'm just sitting there like my hair. Patient or, or team member? Team member comes in my operatory and she's like, is that a weave? Like, I'm like, yes, actually it is. And like, I'm actually going through something right now. She said that, so. I was offended, but I didn't say anything. I kind of like held it in. Like, of course it's a week. Like, you know, it's a week. Yeah. Like you see me every freaking day. Yeah. But for me, like I was going through something with my hair. Right. So then, um, I guess she was off of her medication and she was going through a divorce and she was acting very sporadic, like just doing things. And I'm like, are you okay? Do you need medication? Oh, when I said that, she went to the mm -hmm. doctor's lounge. She told on me, the doctor called me in there and he's like, Martel, she's going through a very sensitive time. She is on medication and you can't say things like that. But that was the double standard. Through a hard time. That was the double standard. And it's I said a thousand times harder than she was. I brought it up and I said, do you know what my hair, because they knew what was going on with my hair. I was called like, oh, the black Annie when I came to work. Oh, look, it's the black Annie. Like, yeah, one of the doctors said that to me um, around that same time. And um, so I said, you know, when I had an issue, she mentioned something about my hair. I got highly offended, but I did not come in here and say anything. I just sucked it up. And he's like, well, that's really different. No, it's not. My feelings were still hurt. I was still offended, but you just told me to suck it up so my feelings don't matter. So from there on out, I knew that was the tone of that office that, you know what, Martel, your feelings don't matter. You, you need to be stronger. Her feelings, right, as a white woman are more important than my feelings. That's what that taught me. That's what I understood that to be, right, because of the situation. So, um, when you say like all these things are happening, I know it's just like, that's just the way it is. Why do these things, things happen? I don't know. Why did that happen? <laughs> you know, why when I told him that he didn't say, wow, I'm so sorry, like that, that happened to you. Like, I understand. Talk with her. Like, no, absolutely. It, was, it was just like, so, you know, why do these things happen? I don't know. But then we just say, they just do. And that's the way it is. So. Martel, can I ask you really quickly? I just, because I, it, this, this, it's sparking curiosity. I've been writing down all these things that you've been saying. Um, for example, like your mom, I mean, you're going to do the show notes. No, <laughs> I can try. <laughs> you don't want me doing the show notes. Um, Martel's a really smart bookworm. She should be doing the show notes for us. Um, she's a smart bookworm. Never mind. She is a very, but, she, but that's, that's one of many beautiful things that she is. But I, you know, I've been taking notes like, because 
I mean, we've all, we all have our own stories of growing up and, and I'm going to put hardships in quotes because I'm just putting them in quotes. Wait, um, why are you putting hardships in quotes? Because perception is reality. I think for, for everybody. Um, but I'll be the first to say like, I, I, hearing your story, I mean, it just, every layer is like, oh my goodness. I mean, first of all, the layer of respect that I have for you and so many people who have walked similar paths and continue to move forward, um, to be a positive uh, light, not only for yourself and for your children, but for your husband and for the community. And, and I want to get to Brown Girl RDH and talk about that because that is a really important and impactful thing that you're doing. That's so influential, but there is just no way when I hear the, the things that you experienced throughout your childhood that, that I came anywhere close to experiencing anything like that in my childhood. And, and yet here we are with the same degrees and the same letters after our name. And, and I want you to know that you are so magnificent in doing, in experiencing all of that and in being where you are today and standing strong and unwavering in that. And, and so I, I, I put hardships in quotes because perception is reality and everybody believes that they grew up with hardships, but there were so many barriers for you, Martel. And I just, as I'm reading these things, I, I just, I want to, I want to share them again, just so that we understand your mom did what she did because she didn't want to be on someone's payroll because then she could be tracked back because she was protecting her sister, right? who was killed and uh, you had to grow up fast. You didn't, you didn't have a childhood, you know, where you got to be a carefree child and, and, you know, free of fear of safety and, and security. You didn't even understand the, the uh, opportunities with school loans. Like you, you had to have somebody tell you those things because although those services are just, they're there for people, you didn't have an advocate really there kind of guiding you through that. There are so many things that, that I think people assume like, well, the programs are there. I don't know why you, you know, and it's, it's like, but it's not, it's not that easy. None of this is ever that easy. It's not just, a, you know, a, a line in the sand. It's, it's, there's so much more. And what you did was you changed the trajectory there. History could have repeated itself, Martel, mm -hmm. with what happened, you know, in your, in your mom and, and with her husband and, and all of those layers and, and you, just, I mean, shifted. She, cho she chose not to fall apart. You, and you I made an active age, choice. I don't know what age that was where you made an active choice and you changed that light switch and said, I don't want this. Cause you could have, you could have been that third grader holding a bag of crack in the back seat and saying, Hey, my mom seems to be doing pretty well. Maybe I'll do this too. Like you chose at one point in your life and maybe you don't remember when that was. Right. Well, you know, when we had our life in Massachusetts, we had a good life. Like it was nothing to worry about. But after the incident happened, when my mom was on the run, then everything changed. So you can kind of say like, I had a foundation that I knew better, right? Because I had some role models at some point. And the education system in uh, Massachusetts and Florida are totally different. <laughs> Talking about the North and the South, right? So I always um, give that back to my education. But yeah, well, um, you know, after that, my niece and my mom got my niece and my nephew. 
you know, she's had them since. And during the time that I had them and everything fell apart and I dropped out of school and I quit my job doing hygiene. I was like, I'm just going to temp and figure it out. Um, Brown Girl RDH was created. Yeah. So where, where did Brown Girl RDH come from? So Brown Girl RDH what came year? from 2018. It was April 1st, 2018. And it only happened because I was sitting at home after all of this happened and saying to myself, I have a career. My husband has a career. I make good money. Why am I still going through these hardships? Why do I have to deal with my family member that was my, ne my nephew that was just killed? Why do I have my niece and nephew as foster care? Why are my kids emotionally traumatized? Because now we have three more kids in our house. Why am I reaching back to my family to help support them buying cars, going through all of this stuff as I am a professional? And I understand that there are other people just like me going through the same exact thing. Why weren't there a, a, another brown girl in my program? Why wasn't there that? Why haven't I seen another brown girl working with me in a dental, uh, in a dental office? So I was like, I'm going to start Brown Girl RDH, a support system for dental hygienists who are going through the same things that I do because I understood back then that this is just the way it is. And it doesn't matter how successful you are, you're still going to go through these hardships that we are talking about you know, today, the oppression, the systemic racism, like I'm going through all of that. My family is going through all of that while I am here saying that I'm successful. No, I'm not a speaker. No, I'm not a motivational coach. No, I don't have a Fortune 500 company, but could I have had all of that? Could I have been a dentist? Why am I not a dentist right now when I should be a dentist and I want to be a dentist? Why am I not? Because of my family. Because I have to support them. I have to put what I need and what I want to the side because of that's just the way it is. Because I wanted to be a dentist, some, I should have had that in my mind. I'm going to be a dentist. I wanted to be a dentist. But instead, it's like my family, my brother, my nephew, my mom, like all of that plays a role in who you are. You're a product of your environment. And I kind of know who I didn't want to be. And I, dental hygiene for me is just like the second best thing. To this day, I still want to be a dentist. But look at everything that's happening. Now it's too late, right? So the dreams are snatched. So never um, too late. So I'm opening up my own practice and I interviewed a dentist yesterday who's 43 years old and just graduated last year. Mm. Never, he's got three children. He emigrated here from India and he's 43 years old. It's never too late. It's, it's never, never too, late. too late, but you know what? Things intercept your path because what I'm doing now with Brown Girl RDH, I would rather, I would love to do this for the rest of my life. Like I, this is what I want to do. So, um, so April 1st. So for those people that don't, that don't know and haven't yeah. seen you before, Brown Girl RDH helps with financial situations such as yeah. the ones that you mentioned. People yes. that can't afford to pay for their boards. People can't afford their books or their loops or their uniforms mm -hmm. or their tuition. And you don't just give the person the money. You actually pay for the item. So it's yes. not like they can be like, oh, I need this money for this. And then they end up buying shoes or something. Exactly. The path of funds goes from Brown Girl RDH to the institution itself. There's no or, funny business. Right. Or for the product. Um, that yeah. totally shows me your street smarts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It would be. I would. And this is the problem that I have is like I every year my company donates to a certain foundation and I just write a check. I write a check. I send it to the organization and I don't know where that money goes or what they do. Yeah. This is where your book smarts and your street marks. Yeah. Cause, cause I understand if someone was to give me money back then in hygiene school, I would have paid a bill. Yeah. I would have been like, Oh, it's for my loops, but I'm not going to get loops. I'm going to go help my mom pay a light bill or something. So that's mm -hmm. why we do it. So yeah. So Brown Girl RDH started in April, 2018. And um, the goal is to promote diversity and dental hygiene for those who might not have a chance who would have, who probably would have went through all of those struggles, but then not had, you know, someone to say, Hey, 
do these student loans or hey I can buy your loops for you or, or something like that so we give scholarships each year we give scholarship 12 scholarships a year um, our scholarships How much are the scholarships worth um, so it depends on what someone needs so our scholarships are based on need and they don't have deadlines so if I came in today and I said COVID-19 wrecked my life I can't afford my board fees then they would apply and we would have paid for their board fees for them so do you have like a budget per year How does so like so companies do companies help you by giving you funds? Or yeah, so um, for the first year, because we're only in year two, April, May, year two, right? So the first year, all the companies would donate supplies. So they would donate loops, they would donate uniforms. I know Quipped, um, the toothbrush company was good about paying for four students' dental hygiene board fees. Um, I paid wow. for some hand pieces out of pocket um, for some students who needed a hand piece. Um, and the money that I got, it's not like through grants. We're a nonprofit organization, but I didn't go after like, oh, let's apply for grants because that's what you hear about nonprofits, right? I actually attempt outside of working my nights and weekends and um, saved up money and started a scholarship foundation, put money in there and then started giving from my own pocket to students. Um, buying their things just to get it off the ground because you have to be established to get these grants and funding. It's not that easy. And we still haven't done any of that. So a lot of our um, sponsorships have came from companies donating their supplies. Dental hygiene students need instruments. They need instrument kits. They need loops. They need, um, you know, all of the things that they need. We've had, we've had, yeah, we've had partners just say like, we'll pay the school and we'll get these for you. So luckily I didn't have to come out of pocket for much the first year, but the, um, First year, we gave out $11,000 in scholarships. So, um, and that doesn't include like the loops that we gave away or the hand pieces. That no, that were free. Yes, yes, yes. So um, our students, anyone can apply that needs help. We don't, we don't discriminate because, you know, you're not a minority, you're not a brown girl. It doesn't matter who you are. If you need help and you have a story, then we read your story and we feel that you, you have a need, then we we help students. So, um, how do you decide? Because I'm sure you have more people that reach out to you than you can afford. Yeah. Um, you probably in a really tough spot. Because yeah. I'm sure there's so many people you want to help, but your your arms can only stretch so long. So in the beginning, anybody that applied got a scholarship. But then as we started to grow, it was like, okay, we can't do this. So there's three people on our scholarship committee that um, read the applications, they go over and they decide who gets it. And we only award 12. So we know what we have and we see what they're applying for. Um, and we just read their story. Some people are, you know, they already have a degree, they have a bachelor's, they're going for dental hygiene, they maxed out all of their student loans and now they need money. It's like, well, someone who, parents are immigrants who work under the table jobs, who are trying to become US citizens and you're the only, the, the student who's trying to get your board fees or whatever you're trying to do, we'll, we'll pay for something for them versus that other student. So I guess it depends on the story because it's like, what, what is really a hardship? A hardship to you might not be a hardship to me, but we actually listen to the stories and you can feel it. And I, it sounds so silly, but you can feel when someone's writing if they need it and what they need. Like, I'm not going to mm -hmm. give it to the student that just took three mission trips. Like you took right. three mission trips. Great. <laughs> I've never you been out of the country. Right. Trips. So it's like, you, why are you applying for someone else that says my mom just died? My boyfriend died. I need help with a handpiece. Like you're not asking for mm -hmm. much, you know? So um, that's how we determine it. So we have a scholarship committee, um, 12 students each year. I'm hoping that to do more than 12 students each year to do 24. And our scholarships are based on, um, Items. So what we did was we took the dental hygiene school that's here and we broke down their um, each year what it is and that's what we budget on. So typically dental hygiene school is twelve is twenty thousand dollars for here. So then we say 
we need to raise $20,000 each year to help 12 students. And then we just break that up and allocate like 1,200, 1,500 to each student. Um, so that's what we've been doing so far. And like I said, it's year two, April makes year two. Yeah, April makes year two. And to, to just to put everything into perspective as to what's going on here and why we're here and why we're talking about it, you know, 10 of us, 10 of my mom's kids, three of us graduated college, two, I mean, high school, two of us graduated college. Well, one of us two, did, I wait. did. One graduated. One graduated. <laughs> so my brother, Ralph, that called me and told me my nephew was, you know, killed in November 19th, right? That's the day that I will never forget. November 19th, 2018, a few months after me starting Brown Girl, he was shot and killed. Coming home from college, um, he had his book bag on still. He was going to ECU. He is pursuing welding. And I got a call the same day, a year apart, that he was killed. And I'm like, you know what? This is exactly why we had Brown Girl RDA. Why did what happen? Yeah. Got, yeah. Okay. So um, he got in a fight with one of his friends. Um, he was telling his friend that being in a gang is not what it's about. So he pretty much disrespected his friend, talking about how he needs to be going to school, um, that he's not doing anything with his life. So his friend took that as offensive and the next day they got in a fight on like a saturday monday he was coming home from school and his friend found him in the parking lot in his house and shot him um and killed him yep so it's like that was taken from him he would have been the other of my mom's 10 kids that went graduated college but he didn't make that's it. that's why he didn't graduate that's why he didn't graduate but the point is me having Brown Girl RDH, that was my foundation. Like you said, how did you not lose it yet? I would have lost it. But I had the foundation, the organization, and all of these people to support and say, like, you're strong, keep going, we need you, this is why we need you, because of things like that. Like, he looked up to me enough to say, I want to go to school, I want to be something. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to be a dental hygienist, but I want to be something, because he had nothing else to look up to. Who else did he have? All he could have did what the rest of the kids did. I'm just going to work, whatever. No, he wanted to be somebody. And that's why we're here, because Brown Guardians needs to be a role model. Of all for, of yeah. the things yes. that you've said, and I, don't, I hate to be observant, but of all of the things that you've said this entire time we've been talking, you talking about your brother it just makes, like, just the look on your face, that is, mm -hmm. it, shows, it shows me a little bit of inside your heart. Because yeah. you talking about your brother right now makes like everything else you were glass faced you were like this is my life i'm saying my yeah. story but i'm not going to feel anything like i'm going to tell you all of these hardships that i've been through but the moment you started talking about your brother your eyes changed yeah because i almost wanted to cry just then so you're very observant because that that's everything you know so i understand like you know we might not make it and with everything going on today like this is why this is why we have like black lives matter because young people are dying young men are dying um young women it doesn't mm -hmm. gender gender mm -hmm. in this situation doesn't even make a difference it's yes but when we're when, black people yeah but when, when we're when we're talking about proportions for, for me it's like i understand like he didn't have a chance he's 20 three years old he's a baby right so um i'm so sorry yeah, yeah and it's, i'm so sorry for that oh you know and i i know everything happens for a reason and he was met and i always say like this was meant to happen because it happened on the same day my nephew died it happened to be he called me about my nephew and then i get a call about him and it's just like 
we need a reminder of how to cherish life, how to be good to people, you know, not to take anything for granted. Yeah, I went through all of that stuff, but focus on where you are now and make it better for the next one. I have to make it better for my niece and nephew. I have to be that brown girl RDH for them. I have to be it for the person who's watching me and saying like, hey, I want to be like her or someone that hears this and they're like, hey, like she made it, I can make it too. Or, you know, it's not the end. So at the end of the day, like, I want people to see themselves in me. Like, I, I want to be that strong. Like, I don't want to be defeated. Um, and, you know, like you said, perception is, is reality, Katrina, like you said. Like, you don't know looking at someone and seeing what they do on social media, why they do it, you know. But this is why. And you don't know what's really going on behind the scenes. Right. You mm-hmm. might see something, but then. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, Katrina, like a million times. Like, everything is always happy on social media. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, everything looks fabulous, but yeah, behind the scene, you're like crying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Crying while you're adding the caption to the very Yeah, yeah. Life is so great. (laughs) As you're like, take me me back to the the beach and you're like, I feel like we need a part. Yeah, exactly. Episode. Um, I am, I'm speechless. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's it. For so many reasons, everything that you've had to go through and that you've persevered through and then how you've created something so beautiful out of all of the pain and the loss and the mm-hmm. hatred and the negativity your entire life and your goal was like, you know what? Yeah, shit happened. That stuff happened. I'm going to shift and pivot and not let other people go through the same thing that I went through. That's... yeah admirable is not even the world honorable is yeah it's It's like it's like it it drives hope is what it does because i think there's i mean mlk says you know another word for admirable and honorable like (laughs) martel um so (laughs) but encyclopedia britannica with the gold yeah that she she studied from yes (laughs) so i think but it's, it's true, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King says, you know, um, only light can, can truly like drown out the darkness. And it's, I think it's, it's easier to be angry. Um, the things that you're, I mean, my heart rate is like when you were, you're telling your story and the things that are happening, I mean, it, I, I'm angry. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I, it's, it is such a, like, I'm trying to like swallow it down because it's such a, um, a hard thing to think about a, a third grader and an eighth grader and just all of these things. But what you have done is you have, and I'm sure that there is, um, you know, we, we all have to process some of the things that maybe we didn't process from our childhood, right? That you're like kind of coming to terms with now, whether that was the relationship you did or didn't have with your father and, and, you know, the on and off again relationship you have with your mother and how you are kind of working to wipe that slate, slate clean and, and, and really show your kids, um, you know, what, you know, life can offer from a beauty standpoint, but it, it is hard to be that light and to not be angry. And so I think this is a, a really good segue because, um, of course, um, before we started recording, you and I were kind of speaking about some of the um, events that our country is experiencing here uh in, in the united states now, but okay of course and and yeah. and canada I mean, as well. it, canada canada is is falling a little bit later than the u.s for sure but yes like i mean i even started. saw i even saw in paris they're doing they're they're you know i mean yeah. this this is a global sweep um 
but I think over the past, I don't even know, has it been seven, nine, like whatever it's been, I mean, there has just been a, a somber um, pain that many have felt. And, and I know that this, this for many of us is, um, is something that's just been very heavy and very weighted. And this is something that I understand you, you've lived with layers of this peppered throughout your life um, consistently. But now today we, so many people are, are confused and, and they're scared and, um, and they're hurting. And so I, I want you, if you don't mind, just to kind of talk about where your heart is right now with everything that's going on and what, and what I do I and mean, what, absolutely. Sharing, what is it that we can do form with everyone right now? Like where, what, what do you think is the bet because, and I, and I say this because I'm confused and I'm going to mm-hmm. put my hands up and say, I am confused because I don't know what I can do. That's right. Um, right. First it's like, you know, post the black square on your social media and hashtag, but then don't, and then remove this and then add this. And then I get, you know, angry DMs from people of all ethnicities and colors. Um, And I'm an immigrant. My parents grew up in a refugee camp. I'm a minority. Just because my hair is dyed blonde doesn't mean I, I didn't grow up here. Um, It's not really dyed blonde right now. Okay. Because it's dyed blonde, I said. Okay. Tell us, tell us what, we can do more of to help. Yeah. So, um, how, how do I feel right now? Yeah. So the, the way that I feel is like, thank goodness. Like when things happen, like say for instance, if you have a platform and you don't have any diversity on your platform and you guys might be like, Oh, we didn't realize that we were doing it, but we recognize that immediately. You walk in a room and you walk into RDH under one roof and you don't see any diversity or any diversity with the speakers. We recognize that immediately. And then it's just like another slap in the face. Like, there you go. You know where your place is. Right. So think about that. You're not going to think about it initially because it's not affecting you. Like, you don't. I'm pretty sure you guys have never walked in and was like counting the black people in the room. But guess what? We do that all the time. And it's kind of hurtful, but it's like I said, it's like understood, okay, well, this is just the way it is, right? Why does it happen? This is the way it is. So when we talk about, you know, you guys are just now seeing like what we've been seeing for years. We've been saying things, but people don't really, oh, Martel, it's just hair. Don't worry about it. You know, that's what we kind of get. So for us, it's like relieving, but now it's overwhelming because it's like, you know, now everything's brought to the forefront that we have people that are of, of non-ethnicities realizing like, wow, there really is a problem. But if you look around in the dental, the dental community, the dental hygiene community, minorities are represented at less than 3%. Like it never occurred to you that less like, why less than 3%? Why is this? Like it never occurred to you to say like, well, we need to get Brown Girl RDH on a podcast before then. So for us, we have uh, a lot of emotions. In, in, our, in our defense, we <laughs> want to have you on the podcast before this. Okay. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. We did. But I appreciate that. But for us, it's like, you know, we love, we, we do appreciate it, but it's like, now it's overwhelming because it's like, well, where's, where's your heart? And I, and I understand why you're probably getting those DMs because people are like, well, what are you doing? Where have you been all this time? Yeah. But they have to understand, like, you had no clue. That's why you're so confused because it did not occur to you. And that's just the part that everyone's just now starting to understand when people are saying, listen, just listen. And then you can okay. say, wow, like, 
this is why the Brown Bar DH was established because it is a problem. We knew it was a problem, but it just didn't matter. So I feel like for me personally, um, a lot of people are reaching out to me. Like, what can we do to help? What can we do to help? Mm -hmm. And acknowledge it, educate your friends, your family and say like, yes, there is a problem. Yes, I do have privilege. Yes, we do have privilege just because the color of our skin. It is. It, look at the speakers. I had one of my friends that um, is a speaker in the dental hygiene world amongst you guys as colleagues tell me that she knows for a fact that her white counterparts get paid more than her to speak. No. She told me Stop. that. She told me that. Oh. I'm not a speaker. I don't know. But what I do know is that I can believe it. So it's just things like that that you hear and you're like, wow, we're colleagues, but like this is still happening in our own field. Yes, it is still happening. So you have to acknowledge that. And, um, you know, what do we do about it? We, we make it aware. Like, hey, yeah. that person has an opportunity. When you have the how many black friends, everyone wants to say, like, I have black friends. I'm an immigrant or my my best friend's married to a black person. Who cares? Like, you know, how many black friends do you have in your circle that you're going to share good news with? Like if there's an award, like if there's, you know, you know, the Sunstar Award or something. Why is that? You have to ask your you have to ask yourself, why is that? Because you know what? When you start limiting the diversity of your circles, then those opportunities mm -hmm. are also limited. I am so happy to have this platform because if I see something, I can say, hey, you guys, this award is for any dental hygienist that's doing something or writing or whatever, and I'm sharing it with this diverse community so more people can have that opportunity. That's what I do. But if you keep your circle very small, and you only have, you know, I'm not picking on you, Irene, two black friends. It's like, how are the other black people going to get those opportunities if they don't know about it? So it's just and like. A little bit in my defense, I really don't have that many friends. I think. <laughs> she really friends. doesn't. Yeah. I have, I have one. I have one friend. I have one te seven. technically. No, one. we're your friends. <laughs> we're your friends. <laughs> I have one. But it's just like. a lot of time for friends these days. <laughs> yeah. So it's just so, it's just I mean, like. Right. You are very that's right. Why, that, right. That, that's why you get your getting that and it, and it just try to understand it and it's not to attack no, you know no. yeah it's, it's just like it's just frustrating it's like okay one thing that i do have to say is that this is a time where everyone is learning and i'm mm -hmm. yes yes and we have to also appreciate that everyone starts somewhere yes and this might just be certain people's time where they start where they start yes. sharing and you know, like the first time you post anything on social media or you comment about anything, about anything sensitive, I mean, you always mm -hmm. feel like, okay, well, this was the first time I did this and I don't know how it, did I do it right? Did I not do it right? It, it would be nice for me if I'm to also know that I did it the right way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That I yeah. was polite about it or that I was- Yeah, good intentions, yeah. That my intention was received mm -hmm. Um, or that the message that I sent out was the right way to send that message. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's like hot and cold right now. now. Right? Like it, sometimes you don't know when you start. Well, it's just start posting about dentistry. It's like, you yeah, post you post yourself scaling for the first time on social media. And then someone's like, your fulcrum was wrong. Or, like, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're, like, um, we're like, bitch, I just posted my very first video. Like, show me some respect. You can calm <laughs> down. I know. They're like, are you wearing an N95 while you're doing that? And you're like, really? Yeah. Really, Julie? Calm down. 
Yeah, yeah Julie. Yeah. Um, it, it's true. <laughs> it, it's true. But you know, we just have to like be ready to have that criticism because now it's like an on-off switch. So I think people are saying like, "Wow, I've never heard you care about Black lives or Black issues or civil rights before." Right. Now all of a sudden you're on. That doesn't mean you're you're wrong because you're on. You just don't know what you should be doing. But just be um, mindful, even with our companies. We are all entrepreneurs. Have some more diversity with what you yeah. post, you know, because yeah. if people keep seeing the same thing, like the filters on social media, they're going to like every single picture with a filter. And if you don't have a filter, they're going to be like, wow, she has a blemish or is she had a blind yeah. eye or yeah. wow, she really needs to get some rest. So it's like what we keep putting out there is what people are going to accept. And if we want them, that's why we're so diverse in our page. If we want them to start accepting, like this is what a dental hygienist can look like too, yeah. you know, yeah. that's why we're posting it. It's just all about representation. So with your companies, post more brown. Yeah. brown and black bodies and companies are, are companies too we got one black disney princess and i just keep saying it because it was like when we did have her we were like yes but guess what she wasn't even the princess her friend was the princess she kissed the damn frog yeah. and then she turned into yeah. a princess so i was like y'all can have y'all princess we don't want the one that kissed the frog we want the real one give me moana like i'll take moana right so that's the problem right there but you know that's funny and it's petty at the same time but it's just like you know post the, the post the black disney princess like yeah. know, I wanted to be Ariel. Yeah. I wanted to be Ariel growing up. I wanted red hair. Like that was my. That's who I wanted to be. I love that Disney princess. So it's like we we need more. We need more of that. So that's what you can be doing. And then so bring that saying, to your friends. What you're saying is Tooth Life needs a little more ethnicity. Give me a watch, and I'll post it now. There you go. Because I'm I'm the I'm the person that's always wearing the Tooth Life stuff. So it's like every other picture is this blonde. Eye it's it's her. I know she looks like she's like a loop. You can't see my top of my face, but but. You know. um, so I'm going to send you a care package with a ton of Tooth Life stuff. Oh, God. Now you can put you me to work. You can distribute it to whomever you like. I'll send okay. you some bigger teeth that are, are meant more for the male gender. Um, oh, hey, uh, I, you can, and it, I mean, anyone can wear it, but most dudes like the bigger tooth. But I'll, yeah, I'll send you a that's good. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that's Diversity. a good idea. That's, that's, that's great. Good. Put that out there. So Happy that's to. great. We would love to see that. We, we, Happy we, to. But you know what? Honestly, you know, we, we support everyone, even if we don't feel represented. That's the beautiful thing about like yeah. our people, because yeah. we we recognize it, but we're not going to be petty or spiteful about it. Like, oh, we're not going to do this and do that. So um, this is just I love about just having a big heart. It's like we're all great and, and, and intentional on what we're doing, you know. So I when these these riots and protests are going on and they're like, these people are this and that, that it's like. You know, people were peaceful at first. I understand yes. why people are pissed off now, you know? Yes, of course. So, um, I hope I answered you guys' this question. Yeah. Yeah. Martel, I have a question. Um, uh, uh, last, how does last your question, girl. Last question. Your I'm husband's a sea trooper, yes? Yeah. How does he feel about everything that's going on? And how how do you feel with him, you know, putting on his uniform and you know, getting, getting ready to go to work, doing the work that he's doing. Um, so we had a scary night the other night where um, there were some riots here where we live in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and his <clears throat> sergeant called him and said, take your guns out of the car because yeah. they might break into the state police car. So he came in with his vest and like the bombs and everything on him and his rifle. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, oh no, I just had to take the stuff out of the car just in case they break in. And I really got scared. I was like, wow, are people gonna come in our house and attack us? Because there's a police car in the front, you know? So that really got scary. But, you know, I told him before and um, he had a guy die um, in a chase. And 
I was like, well, why were you chasing him? You know, that was my first response, you know, civilian. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, he was, he was a bad guy. We were chasing him and he crashed and he, and he died. And I was like, well, if someone, you know, someone does something, um, are you going to shoot them with a gun? Or are you going to tase them? Then I started asking these questions. He's like, would you rather me come home? And I was just like, I understand. So they yeah. have to preserve their life first. So I do understand the police in that aspect. Like they're putting their lives on the line and it's either their police. They, 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 um, they react in defense. You know, I understand that someone, uh, I posted something about Black Lives Matter and someone was like, oh, there's a double standard. What do you mean here? She's like, two police officers lost their life. And I'm just like, my husband's a police officer. That's not what I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that, you know, you don't shoot somebody in the back running from you. You don't put your knee in someone's neck and kill them. You don't shoot them while their hands are behind their back. You know, that's what we're talking about, those injustices. And if people are going to do that, then they need to be held responsible, just like the two people that shot that police officer and they're going to be charged with murder the same police officer has to be charged if they did something unjust. Hands behind the back, why are you shooting? Running away, why are you shooting? No you weapon, know? why are you shooting? No, no weapon, weapon. Yeah. weapon. Yeah. why are you shooting? Why are you shooting? That's, yeah. that's where the outcry is. And um, my husband was chasing someone that was drunk. He was drunk and he was running and he jumped out of the car. Car was still moving and he ran down, got cut up with some bushes and my husband got down there, stop, stop, stop yelling at him. And the guy was cut up because he was um, running through bushes and the guy was bleeding. People came from everywhere and started filming. And the guy was like, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't shoot me, don't shoot me. And my husband was like, I'm not even doing anything. But guess what? who probably looked like the bad guy? He did. Yeah. Yes. Filming it. So I understand. I really do understand um, both sides. But right is right and wrong is wrong. And people are just concerned with human rights. It's not, you know, white against black. It's not that. It's about human rights. Like what's right mm -hmm. for what's right. And the police, you know, my husband said to me, it's like the world is against the police. So when you see these police reacting and spraying, like the world is against you as a police officer. How do you think they feel? Interesting. Yeah. You said that you your husband brings his police car home. Police officers aren't allowed to do that here in Canada. Oh, your car to the station, and then the station's guarded, and then you drive the squad car around, and then you drive the car back, and then you yeah. drive home in your civilian car. Um, hmm. For that exact reason, because they're targeted. Yeah, cars have been targeted, and then families of people that have had interactions with the police get targeted. There's like yeah. been a couple of cases over the last little while where like someone went into jail and then the husband or the wife and the whatever abducted the kid. It was like a whole thing of oh my God. what happened. So that for that exact reason, like you don't bring your cop car home. It's it's overwhelming, but I understand a lot, a lot both of them sides. Don't even wear police uniforms home. A lot of them will like change forms at in in the in the like in their station. Yeah, that because they would rather just not be looking like a police officer walking around. Yeah, that's something to um, think about. Well, luckily, we live in a nice neighborhood and we don't have to worry about that. But, you know, I, I just want to say thank you for sharing yes. your story, for educating yes. all of us on how to stay positive. Your, your stories, your, your heart, your, your desire to make something better of the time that you have here and with the, the heart that you have, um, it is. 
it is this pay it forward concept of, you know, uh, I'm inspired and I know, I know Irene is too. And it's like, the, the, these are the, the things that we need, we need to come together and we need to have these conversations and we need to understand how to be better. And we need to understand, you know, how amazing it is that you've done all of these amazing things and how your heart is still in it. Um, it it's, it's truly incredible. So thank you for sharing that story with us and, and um, listening. Yes. Um, Martel, if people want to find you, where can they reach, reach out to you? Um, so Brown Girl RDH on all platforms. So browngirlrdh.org is our website and um, Instagram, Facebook, social media. It's all Brown Girl RDH. I, I had a quick question too, Martel. If somebody wanted to help Brown Girl RDH, like make donations or anything, it, it, what are the best steps for somebody to be able to do that, to be a better yeah. actor? All of that is just done right through our website. Um, so there's a donation link. We are a nonprofit, a 501c3. So we've had our status for two years and they can just donate right through our website. Um, if they want their business to have a scholarship in their name, I know Katrina, the board prep, had a, a scholarship. Same thing, they can just reach out through our website or through email, brongarrdh. Um, dot org and uh, just let us know and we can do that sponsor a, a student in Canada at a school I know summer from Diamond Sharp yeah. she has a scholarship with us mm -hmm. um so yeah definitely Summer's one of my besties like is she I she's, love her she's my number two I never met her but I, I actually love her <laughs> yeah she's she's it's great heart yeah she's, great heart. she's one of my best friends um so we're called Two Third Dear Podcast for a reason, and I hate to like end a very serious and educational um, interview with something that we do that's quite silly. But I don't know if you know what Two Third Dear Podcast entails at the end. So Katrina and I do a rock, paper, scissors, and whoever loses goes up against you. You can choose to dish out a tooth or a dare, or you can accept a tooth or a dare. And usually within the next two weeks, we'll post it up on our social media. So you can think about it. Katrina and I will do our rock, paper, scissors. And you can think about whether you want to accept a truth or a dare, or if you want to give out a truth or a dare. Um, you ready, girl? I'm ready. Okay, ready? One, rock, two, paper, three, scissors. Oh, it's the same thing. Ready. I know. We, we always do this. Two, three, shoot. Oh, yes. lost. Gosh, I lost. I'm back on my winning streak again. This is good. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> while Martel thinks about whether she would like to accept a tooth or a dare or dish out a tooth or a dare, I encourage you all to follow us on Instagram at toothordare.podcast. Uh, read the show notes because we'll be linking all of the very informative information that we had through today's um, interview in the show notes. You can follow me, Irene, at toothlife.irene, and you can follow Katrina at Katrina the Wine Genist or the wine the dental wine genist, the dental wine genist um <laughs> on instagram and obviously on facebook too so martel have you had a chance to decide whether you want to accept or dish out um i'm gonna dish out dish out okay i'll accept a dare okay anything as long as my clothes stay on oh right <laughs> I'm a married woman. Okay, so okay. we're gonna we're gonna bring it back to like what we used to do as kids. I don't know if you guys did this, but we did. So I think you get like a it's it's gonna involve a battery. Okay, okay. a battery. So take a C or D battery. Oh, okay. Not one of these ones. So one of the big ones. Okay. <laughs> you gotta put your tongue on it, and you gotta get shocked. No. <laughs> I don't know if you can find a CRD. I, I don't know which one. 
I don't know which one shocks you. I'm gonna get one of each and it'll be like Russian roulette. Both, put both on at the same time. One on each side of your tongue. The ventral and dorsal together, just. No, we don't want her to get burned. (laughs) But that's your dare. I probably deserve it. I'm sorry. That was that was really that was a really bad one. That was That's like a some good, That's good. I need a little shock therapy. I, I probably That's good. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it. Okay, so everyone tune into our Instagram at Tooth Through Podcast within the next, I don't know, ten days or shows, fourteen days, between the now and the next episode. <laughs> for me to find these batteries and slightly electrocute <laughs> myself. Um, until next time, peace out, peace. Bye guys. Cheers. <laughs>